you have to create networks. That's where masterminds are so important. People that are coaching you and mentoring you to find the right people to invest with. Because unlike um, Wall Street, where insider information may get you thrown in jail, insider information in real estate is where the opportunities are created. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, real quick before we get started, first of all, I wanted to thank everybody for joining us on the show and for listening uh, to all my loyal listeners. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, continuing to listen and support the show. If you can go on to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen and subscribe to the show, that would be fantastic. Spread the word too. I'd love to, you know, have this reach more and more people. So if you could share it on social media or, or, or and just talk about it to other people, that would be fantastic. And the last thing is if you can go on to iTunes and give us a rating review, uh, hopefully five stars, that would be great as well. It just helps us spread the word more and it helps us get continue to get uh, really good guests on the show. We've had some fantastic guests and I just want to be able to continue to bring fantastic value to you. Go on to our Facebook page too, Pillars of Wealth Facebook page. And I'd like to hear from, from you as a listener of you know, what you're doing in business, what you've got going on, what you are maybe struggling with or uh, being successful with, and then what we can do on the show to help push you to that next level. Maybe uh, questions we can ask our guests, maybe guests that we can get on the show to talk about certain topics, certain things that are really neat. You're needing uh, some, some extra support with. So provide for us some feedback on Facebook um, and you can also share this out on, on social media. That would be fantastic as well. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being a, uh, being a either new listener or loyal listener. I definitely appreciate it. And we will get started with the show. Hey, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer with me today. I'm excited to have Ross Stryker. Ross, how are you doing today? Todd, I'm great. I really appreciate you having me on. I know you bring a lot of value to your listeners, so hopefully I can bring value to them today as well. Absolutely. So uh, you are with Smart Asset Opportunities. Uh, you served 12 years in the military and then 20 years running a successful private practice. Um, and just realize that you're trading you know, hours for dollars forever, so you wanted to get some you know, passive income coming in. So just four years, uh, Ross, he's been involved in real estate projects totaling over $100 million, owns over uh, 40 single family homes, 14 ATMs, a coffee farm in Panama, some apartment complexes, office parks, self-storage -stor so units, and ownership in a Belizean resort. A lot of different stuff. So, Ross, can you let our listeners know kind of a little bit more about your background and then what you've got going on today, where your focus is? Yeah, you know, when you read through that list of assets, it sounds like I'm a little bit of a squirrel chaser, you know, shiny object chaser. <laughs> and, and we did get involved with some groups that do different syndications in different states, different countries even. And, um, yeah, how, well, how I got involved in real estate investing was, um, 
I, I didn't just necessarily wake up one day, but the realization was upon me as I reached my middle 50s that I didn't really have a really good plan. You know, I'd talked to all the financial advisors, done all the right things, had the 401ks at the office. I'm a recovering orthodontist, as I like to say. I don't do that anymore. But, um, and, and you know, those are good people and they had good strategies, but they weren't going to work out for me. I could see that the end game was going to end up that I was going to be like the majority of people in our society, which is they retire to a lifestyle less than what they're used to when they're working. And um, that's just a sad commentary on, you know, the financial industry as a whole, because 95% of our population ends up in that situation. So, and, and what I had done, Todd, was I had convinced myself that I loved my W-2 job being an orthodontist, which I did. I, I did love it, but I convinced myself I loved it to the point where I was just going to simply die at the chair and just keep working because that's that's one solution to not having enough money in retirement is just never retire. But um, as I was introduced to a group um, called Freedom Founders in Texas, which is a group of dentists mentoring other dentists about how to reach your financial freedom point pass, you know, through passive income and real estate, I realized there's a different path. And so once we found that path, once we realized the kind of returns that you can make, there's no guarantees in any asset class, real estate included. But once we realized that we could make returns that were better than what we were expecting to make upon retirement, we realized we were really virtually at our freedom point already. And so I'm excited to help other people reach their freedom point too, because it doesn't mean you quit your day job. You may enjoy your day job. That's great. Keep doing it. But it's, it's, it's doing your day job because you want to, not because you have to. And and that's the point I want to reach other people and help them with that too. So primarily we're focusing our niche a little bit more on self-storage. I know you do a lot of things in multifamily, great asset class. There's several great asset classes, but you know what? You can't be the expert in all of them. Right. And so when I, when I reach out to somebody to invest in multifamily, Todd, I'm not going to be doing that. I, I reach out to somebody that's the expert on that. Same thing with mobile home parks or whatever else, commercial office buildings. I don't try and find those opportunities because I'm not going to find them. Um, you know, you have to create relationships. You know, real estate investing is a relationship business and networking is where you find the opportunities. So you, you kind of, you found this group, you, you, figured out, okay, this is, this is where we're going. Uh, it sounds like fairly quickly you built something of, you know, pretty, pretty good substance here. You've got, you know, a lot of single family homes, you've got ATMs, you've got a coffee farm, which we need to talk about. We've got a coffee farm in Panama. Um, so how did you, how did you go about buying these places? Are they, are, are a lot of them partnerships or, are they investments in them or are they all on your own or is it kind of just a mixed bag? Most of the, most of the opportunities that we have done. Well, let's, let's back up. I would say that our, our investments are mixed amongst um, lending opportunities that we lend money to people that are out there on the streets, creating deals. For example, just talked to Wayne in Indiana uh, a day or two ago. Wayne um, does about 300, single family homes a year. Some of those he wholesales, some of them he flips, some of them he keeps as turnkey properties where he operates them for investors who keep them titled under their name. So you've got somebody like that that's the expert in that field. Now, 
I could go out and find a house and find some drinking buddy and I could flip a house. But you know, that's not an efficient way to invest in real estate passively. Okay. Right. So um, we, we invest with Wayne and other people around the country in lending opportunities. All right. Then you have titled opportunities. We talked about the single family homes and, and you know, to be transparent, I'm actually selling many of the single family homes because I don't have the brain bandwidth to deal with single family homes. We're looking at more commercial properties, especially because we're bringing other investors money and opportunities. You can't do that one house at a time. You've got to have something scalable. Yeah. So the single family homes were again with, Operators who are doing things like Wayne or Glenn in Texas or Merv in Alabama or some of the other folks we invest with around the country, we, we vet them. You know, that's really the key in real estate investing is knowing, liking, and trusting the people you're dealing with. Because just like any industry, there's people that will take advantage of you, especially, I'll air quote this, rich doctors are a great target for people to try and take their money and run off with it. So... You have to create networks. That's where masterminds are so important. People that are coaching you and mentoring you to find the right people to invest with. Because unlike um, Wall Street, where insider information may get you thrown in jail, insider information in real estate is where the opportunities are created. And then finally, the last scenario, coffee farms, ATMs. I'm not going to go down to a convenience market and ask if I can buy their ATM. It doesn't work that way. So it has to be part of a syndication. And typically those ATM syndications are where people are bidding on say 300, 500 ATMs across mm -hmm. the country with different convenience markets and different locations, not the ones you see at your bank. Okay. These are third party ATMs where you're maybe you're in the turnpike in Pennsylvania and you pull off at a convenience market and there's an ATM there because you need some cash. So those have been great investments and, and most of the syndications we could go drill into those deeper if you want to, but they've been great because they've got a, preferred return, as you know, and then usually there'll be some kind of equity kick. And then maybe we get some kind of depreciation, some tax advantage on our K1 at the end of the year too. So a lot of great things with that. And those are mostly just stroking a check and you get those benefits. So very easy investments. I like those. I like the lending deals, but I also like the title deals because there's a whole nother advantage to taking, uh, getting invested in those too. So I like to spread my risk out around multiple investments, multiple states, multiple areas of country. I think, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. On the, on the ATMs, I, I don't know very much about <coughs> investing in ATMs. It just, to, it, I guess when you think about it, at least for me, it doesn't seem like it could be a very profitable uh, thing because it's just a machine. You put, somebody puts money into it and charges you, you know, a buck or two or three and then, that's it. And there's, there's no risk. So usually with little risk, there's little reward. Is that right? Or is, is there good reward to the ATMs? And is there more risk that I'm, that I'm missing? Okay. The, the, the ATMs have actually been a great investment. So, um, and I know different uh, folks that are bidding on these do it differently, but the syndications that I've been part of where, again, they may go to someone who owns convenience markets in multiple states, They're putting a bid on the ATMs. Obviously, the owner of the store gets a cut of each transaction, but also as the owner of that 
well, the way ours work is, okay, you might get an ATM that doesn't have that many people come up to it and use it. So you're not going to make a lot of money. So right. we spread the risk amongst our investor pool and say, look, we're going to average out what all the machines are doing, how many transactions are, and we'll each share in the profits of the machines and as a whole. But think about it. This is also a piece of business equipment. So what's the depreciation schedule on equipment? Mm -hmm. Five to seven years. So you get accelerated depreciation, you get a great return. Now our actual returns, and I know I hate to quote these numbers because people that are listening are just going to roll their eyes and say that's not possible, but we're getting a 24% return on the transactions. Now, the problem is you have a piece of depreciated equipment that at the end of seven years, it has very little value. So if you're calculating that into the internal rate of return, it probably knocks everything down to say mid teens, 15 to 16% annualized over that seven year period. So pretty decent return for just writing a check, pooling your resources with other investors, because that's where you get the protection of you're not taking on all the risk. You're just associating with other people that have the knowledge of how to do this. So, you know, it's amazing. And people think, well, with Bitcoin and with Apple pay and everything else, aren't ATMs going the way of the dinosaur? And the answer is there's still a lot of people that deal in cash. There's a lot of people that don't have bank accounts still. There's still a lot of people that utilize cash and ATMs quite a bit. So to answer your question succinctly, they've been a fantastic investment for us. So, Well, and, and you, you, I mean, you just said that there are five to seven years that are depreciated and five to seven years from now, you know, basically they're probably going to get replaced and so if they're good investment now, essentially your risk is in five to seven years that nobody's no longer, you know, getting that money out. Well, by that time, you're basically already done with the investment anyway. Right. So, yeah. And everybody has to analyze their own situation as to what yeah. kind of returns and risk they want to take. There's always a risk in any investment. ATMs. Sure. Yeah, that's the first thing that people bring up. Are, are we even going to have currency seven years from now? I don't mm -hmm. know. Would I would I buy an ATM today? I'd, ha I'd think a little differently than I did three years ago when I bought ATMs. It's a different market. Things are changing so fast in the technology sure. that you don't know. So yeah. Sure, yeah. Oh, oh, and what about the, uh, the coffee farm? What kind of... Uh, explain that one a little bit. Okay. The coffee farm, again, shared risk syndication. Uh, you have operators that are on the ground, boots on the ground in Panama. Uh, David Sewell, I'll just throw out his name. David is a, an expat Canadian living in Panama for many years. And the nice thing about the coffee farm, and I just visited their cacao, as they call it, chocolate farm that's in Belize. They also operate that, um, but it's a feel-good investment too. And what I mean by that is, they are they have a upscale niche market in the coffee industry where they're raising a product that's going to be for um, a higher value person. Who's look, look, I'm not a coffee connoisseur. Sorry, I just stopped by the convenience market and got my coffee this morning. So David would probably have a cow if he heard that, but. Um, you know, for those who really like the finest coffee, that's the kind of thing. And the thing that they're doing also, Todd, is they're putting money back to help raise the lives of these farmers because what they're doing is actually partnering with the farmers in that area of Panama to help them grow a better crop. And they're sharing 
uh, a great deal of the profits with these farmers to raise their standard of living, improve their medical care and housing, and uh, teaching them a better way to farm in cooperation with what they're doing. So um, now, obviously, with any agricultural investment, if you're starting something like let's say that we buy some acreage in, in the coffee farm. Well, you you know, coffee doesn't grow, you know, like wheat, like where I'm from in Kansas, like you get a return like the same season. It's something that the plant has to grow for two or three years before it starts showing results. So mm-hmm. it's a delayed gratification. No different than if you were building a ground up apartment complex, though. You know, you're probably not going to get much for returns during the construction, during the lease up. And it's the same thing with growing coffee. There's a delayed. So does it fit every investor's strategy? No, for some people who need cash flow now, that's not a good investment. For somebody who's building their equity, their wealth over time, and they can wait, it's a great investment. And, and the returns look on paper, at least so far, and for people who are starting to get their returns, like they're gonna be pretty solid. And once you've got those plants in the ground and they're producing, as long as you've got an operator that knows what they're doing, again, it goes back to knowing and liking and trusting the people you're working with you've got a pretty solid investment for years to come. So anyway, that's how you do it. You do it by meeting people. I, I'm, you know, you don't go it by going to Panama and finding a coffee farm. You've got to, you've got to network and find the right people. Yep. So, so how are you going about finding the right people feeling comfortable with the investments that are coming uh, up and, and then how are you even getting those uh, investments presented to you by finding those people? You know, I, Okay. So I, I'm not kissing up to you because you're a podcaster, but I will tell you one of the best ways that I've met people is through podcasts and then taking it upon myself to network with them in person via different masterminds. Uh, the mastermind that I alluded to earlier, we're no longer part of that, but we're part, I, I'm part of three different masterminds now. And that's where I network and find these opportunities because you know, it's it's not about a house to invest in. It's not about an apartment you invest in. It's about the people behind it. And you have to meet these people. You have to vet them in person, especially in my case, because I'm syndicating different things. I'm raising other people's capital for opportunities. You've got to find the right people. It's, you know, it's one thing to risk your own money, but when you're risking other people's money, you've really got to dig down and find out who you're dealing with and make sure. So, you know, the networks that, that I've created through meeting different people via masterminds is where we find virtually everything that we're involved with now. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk a little bit about self-storage. You mentioned you're kind of focusing on the self-storage. Um, why is that an investment that you like that's, you know, gets you excited? I like self-storage because, um, well, I'll, first of all, I'll tell you why I don't like self-storage, okay? Because I think you need to see both sides of the coin. The reason I don't like self-storage is because unlike multifamily, where you need a roof over your head, everybody needs a roof over your head. I don't think Amazon's figured out a way to replace, uh, you know, they're, they're replacing everything else in the retail world and everywhere else, but I don't think they're gonna take the place of people need a place to put their head down on the pillow at the end of the day. So. Self-storage is sort of a want and not a need, but our economy is so driven by consumerism that in times that are good, like we've experienced the last few years where the economy has been on a positive upstroke, people are buying stuff. Now, when things go south, people are generally moving from that nice house into one of your apartments, Todd, because they're going to downsize. They need to save some money. 
or they're moving from a class B apartment to a class C apartment. But you know what? They don't want to part with their treasures, okay? They love their stuff. And so they've got to have a place to store them. They've got to have a place to put that boat or RV in good times when they're buying them because their HOA says they can't park that outside. Or you've got aging parents moving into assisted living with that silver tsunami we're experiencing right now with everybody turning 65 to 85 and needing assisted living help. Well, guess what? Nobody wants to sell grandma's stuff, so they put it in storage, right? So storage has been a very solid um, asset class, probably one of the strongest asset classes over the last 20 years, right up there with mobile home parks and apartment complexes. So I like it, um, and I think it's a very solid place to be, and you do you have to do your work to find an opportunity? Yeah, sure. I mean, you don't just go to the first apartment complex and buy it. Uh, you've probably got to look at a hundred of them before you find that value where you've got a value add proposition, or in our case, you develop a new one or another. I mentioned Amazon earlier. Guess what Amazon's created? Amazon's created a lot of empty retail spaces that can be repurposed or converted into storage. So, Maybe they're not selling things on the street, but they're storing them on the street where there used to be a Kmart, where there used to be a Toys R Us. Those properties make great conversion properties for storage. So is that, are you doing uh, development then or are you buying existing? Both, both. Uh, yeah, I, I tell you, I almost kind of favor conversion projects or ground up development to existing facilities because you know in any asset class right now the cap rates are compressed it's very hard to find a great opportunity not impossible but it's harder harder than it was a few years ago to find a great opportunity so maybe in storage a few years ago a 10 cap wasn't that hard to find. You're not going to find any 10 cap opportunities out there. Now, you can still do, as you know, you can still do a value add on something that's a zero cap. Yep. I mean, if it's got enough value add to it, it doesn't matter what the cap rate is. The cap rate's irrelevant in some cases. It's a good place for people to start the conversation, but it's not the whole story. So it's really just about, does the math make sense? If it's, a, if it's an existing facility that's got cash flow, great. But if you've got a market that's got um, a, a low per square foot, square foot per person in it, and there's an opportunity for new development like the one we're doing in Birmingham now, then do a ground up development. Take advantage of the fact that maybe the zoning, maybe the city council doesn't want to entitle any more self-storage there. So like the property we have and we're developing around us, there's a moratorium on any more self-storage zoning. Makes for a great opportunity for a new development. Oh, yeah, for sure. Cool. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, and I want to mention a few things. First of all, I've been doing some coaching, and I want to continue to kind of expand that slowly and and take on a few clients. And, and up until recently, I didn't really believe uh, in coaching and, and uh, you know, taking courses and stuff like that. But I – recently, or I shouldn't say recently, it's been, it's been a, a few years now, hired a, a coach and saw a, immediate results and have been very happy with it and decided, you know, as my teaching background, I wanted to do some coaching myself and help other people get the results that I was able to achieve. And so if you're at that point where you think that's the spot for you, or maybe you just want to explore if it's right for you, 
you know, reach out to me. I'd have a free discovery call with you. We want to make sure that it is the right step for you to take. There might be other things that you can do to get success. Uh, and coaching might not be it. But let's have that discovery call to find out if that is uh, the step that you need to take. So it can really make a major impact in your business and get you to that next level. Uh, the other thing is John Stiles. He's on this show every single week uh, with me on the Hump Day Hustle. And John Stiles is a real estate agent in, in Minnesota, and he will help you find a good, good investment property. John is very knowledgeable and can help you find an investment property. It can also help you sell your investment property. So reach out to John Stiles with Bridge Realty and uh, connect with him. He'll also, you know, consult with you and, uh, and make sure you guys are the right fit. So uh, give him a call if you're in Minnesota, reach out to him. Uh, he'd love to help as well. Back to the show. Um, well, let's get uh, kind of over to the business side a little bit. Um, what, what was that, that you already got, I guess you kind of talked a little bit about that mindset shift, but give go more in detail, that mindset shift of being this, uh, you know, you, you went to work every day and, and you did your, uh, private practice. What was that shift to then becoming a, uh, real estate investor where now you're, um, you're an entrepreneur. Well, I've always been kind of an entrepreneur. And when I got out of the military and set up my own private practice, um, I was, I'm, I'm not bragging. It was, I was pretty successful about it. Matter of fact, I was probably one of the, probably one of the bigger practices for a solo practitioner in the country. I mean, I had three locations, I had 24 team members working for me, but you know, Todd, I realized that uh, I can't do that forever. I can't, I can't. And, and the responsibility of having 24 people whose jobs depended upon me being there every day. I just, you know, that just started weighing on me a little bit. It was, it was time to make a change. The other thing was I decided I did not want to be one of these aging athletes or doctors that everybody's like, well, when is Dr. Smith going to leave? I mean, it looks like he can barely see anymore. I really <laughs> wanted to leave when I was at the top of my game. And I get asked repeatedly still to this day, I mean, how could you leave that? You were making a ton of money. You were doing really well. And the fact is I was, but I just, you know, I, mentally I needed to do something different. I needed to stretch. And when we met that first group, I got excited about doing something different. Now, is becoming, is that an overnight process to become a real estate entrepreneur or developer? No, it's like drinking from a fire hose uh, originally. But you know, the other thing, what I realized is it's not about me. It has nothing to do with me. It's like the project that we're doing in Birmingham. Am I even the expert on self-storage? No, I'm part of a mentoring group. I'm part of a mastermind at self-storage. I have the experts there. Am I an expert on uh, site work, um, pouring foundations? Nope. That's why we have one of the best commercial contractors in the area doing the project. Am, am I an expert on the vertical part of creating self-storage space? Nope. That's why we have a company out of Atlanta that's doing that part. It's about creating teams is what it's about. And so, you know, real estate investing is a team sport. And coming from dentistry where it's mainly an individual sport because most of the practitioners are still solo practitioners, they've got their own little four walls. It, it definitely creates the 
um, situation where you think you can do it all your own in dentistry, but you have to realize in, in real estate, that gets you nowhere. You have to create networks. So I have my team, my nuclear team, as I call them, Shannon, Natalie, Ivy, my wife, Mary. But when we go out and create an opportunity somewhere, I have to create a whole nother team. I have to create all those people we talked about, the architects, the engineers, the contractors, the people that can get the deal done. Was that, was that something that came to you right away or did it take you a while to develop that uh, understanding that teams are a must? I know for me, I, I was very individual based and it took me a while to really understand that I just can't do it all myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an evolution. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still evolving in what works best for us, but that's certainly something if you're if you're going to become a real estate investor, unless you're going to be totally passive, just write a check and get the mailbox money, as we call it. You better learn very quickly that it's a team thing. You cannot know it all. You cannot know even even in one asset class, you can't know it all and, and mm -hmm. certainly not in multiple asset classes. So if you're going to get anywhere, just forget being the center of the universe, you've got to reach out, find the people that can help you. And again, it gets back to the networking, the mentoring groups, the mastermind groups, you know, find the people that, you know, there's protection in the tribe. When you're part of a mastermind or networking group, the last thing anybody in that group wants to do is pardon my French, screw the other people in that tribe because they won't, they'll be kicked out of the tribe. So there's protection in those kind of groups because people, want to help other people succeed in those groups. That, that's the difference between going out and finding somebody on the street that might take advantage of you. So I don't know, I, I get off on these answers. Sorry, Todd, and I get maybe off sideways, but um, it's, it is important to realize that you are just one part of this. And really my job when I think about it is just to create teams in different places we go to. That's really what I'm about is creating the right teams to get these things done. Yeah, that's really what it's about. You, you, you know, take my business, same, same thing. I mean, my job is to create teams, is to create that team to be able to, you know, finance the deals, to create the team to be able to, you know, do the renovations on the deal and it's to create the teams to be able to manage the deal, operate the deal and, uh, and then create the teams that are going to communicate about what's going right and wrong with the deal. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yours is the same, your same thing. So yeah, there's a long list of team members on there too, as you know, and I mentioned <laughs> you earlier, but property managers, attorneys, CPAs, yeah. the people that, yeah. you know, if you do a syndication and you've got to be kicking out quarterly uh, returns to people, you better have a damn good bookkeeping and CPA firm taking care, you know, charge of that you just, you know, you, you really got to have things locked down when you're taking other people's money. It's just yep. a huge responsibility, one that I take very seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And be being proactive about it too. Uh, you know, I, I just had a, uh, accounted on uh, recently and we talked about that as so many people just, they give the, you know, they give the stack of, of paperwork or now a, a computer, but, um, they give their files to the accountant after the fact and they didn't prep up front and, and that just creates issues when you're not being proactive about it. So right. um, being Absolutely. proactive about everything you do. Um, what's a big mistake, biggest mistake or bigger mistake that you've made in this business and how have you learned from it? Wow. 
Well, I've made a lot of mistakes, Todd. Um, and I'm not afraid to make mistakes. Um, gosh, the biggest mistake I've made, I think goes back to what we said earlier is maybe I'm getting started in this and thinking that I could do a lot of this stuff without interacting with other folks and making those connections. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of tripwires out there for people that want to pursue this path. So they, you know, again, I just would encourage people to get, be part of a networking or some kind of coaching program or something where people can oversee you. Not, not necessarily to tell you exactly what to do because people don't like that responsibility of telling you what to do, but maybe sharing our experience. Look, we all, we all, we learn from our mistakes. We learn from mistakes, but they don't all have to be our mistakes. So if you can learn from other people's mistakes, maybe you won't repeat those. So um, I, I'd say the biggest thing is, hey, you know, make, learn from mistakes, just find other people that have made them and then you can just skip past that mistake. How's that? Yeah, yeah, you can at least, you might make the same mistakes, but you know how to correct them a lot quicker too and, and probably make them to a lesser degree, so. Yeah. Um, so what's, uh, what, what's your kind of your goal moving forward? How, how is this going to evolve? What are you going to do to continue uh, building the business? Yeah, my goal is to just really help people reach their freedom point. You know, if I can do that, it's great. You know, the problem I have, and I was sharing this with somebody at a networking event last week, is once you reach your passive freedom point, there's not quite the same motivation every day as if you were hungry, if you want to call it that. But mm -hmm. so I, I guess that works to my advantage because when people approach me about things that we're doing, I, I'm not saying I don't care, Todd, but I don't care that much. If they, if they want to invest with us, great in an opportunity. If they don't, that's fine. As you know, there's more money chasing things and there are opportunities out there. So I really have the mindset that it's got to be the right opportunity for that person coming to. But if I honestly really want to see people reach that freedom point, because it's just liberating to know that your passive income, and again, there's some work even with passive income, you have to, you know, there's paperwork that comes in. It's not completely like you're just sitting on the beach eating chocolate or something, but um, you know, for the most part, there's not a lot of work with passive investments, but I, I really want to have people reach that point. And our main avatar, I have a weekly blog, is mainly dentists, physicians, people that were in the situation I was in a few years ago that are trying to figure out how to get to that point. Uh, they may enjoy what they're doing, but they don't enjoy it so much that they want to be doing it four or five days a week. And you know, Small business owners are very hardworking people. So if they're seeing patients, let's say in the case of a dentist, four days a week, that means another day and a half a week they're doing paperwork or complying with regulations, putting out fires and doing the other stuff. So it's, it, it, it's intense running a small business, whatever the nature is. I just want to help people get free from some of that so they can sp spend more time doing the things they want. I mean, it can be spending more time with their family or it can be going on mission trips. It can be doing anything. It can be doing more involvement and in investing. It can be a number of things that they might choose to do, but gosh, having that freedom to choose what you do is just huge. Yep. Yep. Um, so in your path, have you been a part of any deals that kind of have gone 
you know, south or maybe just been not got as planned. And what are the oh, yeah. warning signs uh, of those? And, you know, what can you do to help prepare for that? So let's talk about single family homes because I've had a few of those that didn't return as expected. Okay. So let's say that you, and we'll just throw out some round numbers. Let's say that you've got a hundred thousand dollar home. You put 25,000 down, you finance the rest of it. And by the time the cash flow comes out after the debt service each year, I don't know, maybe you've got 3000 to $4,000 a year in positive cash flow on something that's leveraged like that. Let's just, you know, round numbers. So then you get a call that you've got to put a new roof on. What did that just do to your cash flow for that year? You know, so those kind of things happen. My advice is if you're going to invest in single family homes, which I think is still a good place to invest, for God's sakes, get to nine or 10 as quickly as you can, because when that one has a bad year, it doesn't hurt you as much. And frankly, for physicians and dentists that say, I just want to start with something easy. I'm like, yeah, find somebody like we've invested with that can do a single family home because it's not fatal to them. If they do have that scenario I just described, or, or maybe it's on some type of a um, different sewage type thing and you've got to dig it up or whatever, you know, those kind of things happen too. your sewer line breaks and you got to dig up the yard and put in new pipe or whatever. That might be a $10,000 repair. And so it's not fatal to those folks to start simple. Plus you're going to learn a lot from that interaction. You're going to learn about the financing. You're going to learn about the property management. You're going to learn so much from that one house. And then if you want to get into things that are a little bit bigger uh, or be part of a syndication in a multifamily or a mobile home park or self-storage, you'll just come with that knowledge to ask better questions. So, um, yeah, we've had some single-family homes that haven't gone as well as we'd like. And so that's all right. It's all, it's all learning. It's all part of the uh, tuition, as I call it, and, you know, the, the game of life, if you will. So it's all good. You know, nothing works out. 100% in any asset class, real estate included. Uh, a lot of it sometimes involves around property management. You know, that's such a key for any type of property. So making sure you got the right people managing it, making sure that if it's a single family home or multifamily, that they're properly vetting the people that are living in that facility. Um, yeah. Just everything, you know, property management, I've had to point one finger at, it's just huge. And that's why I'm so careful to really make sure that we do our due diligence on whoever's going to be managing a property that we're going to develop or buy. It's, it's, it's huge. So. Yeah. And I tell people it's, it's actually, it's more important to find good property management than it is to find the location to invest in. I think the property manager is the most important aspect of your property then finding the location of that property would be next. Uh, you can go into certain cities and there's just not good options. Just don't invest there, even if the city makes a lot of sense to invest in, if you can't find anybody to manage it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. A good property management company is make or break on virtually any property you invest in. So, yeah. So Ross, what do you, what do you like to do uh, to give back? 
Well, I'm prior military, and so a lot of the things that we like to do revolve around military, especially military families. Um, we've helped fund some things at uh, our alma mater, Kansas State University Military Institute for Family Health. Um, and we also like to target things that help with military families and raise them up because, uh, and I know this is, um, you know, there, there are a lot of veterans causes, uh, very worthy causes, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm, they're great. I'm, I'm glad they're out there. But you very rarely hear about the struggles that military families have to go through. People don't realize when they are moving a thousand miles away from family, and maybe they've got two small children and another one on the way. And then the sponsor is deployed overseas, leaving that spouse with all the responsibilities of, of these three children, one, one on the way, um, something breaks at the house and they don't know how to repair it. They have a car wreck. And now they've got to figure out what to do about that. There's just a lot of things that we take for granted in our day-to-day -day life the military families had to put up with. And I saw that with my wife as we moved to different locations in the country and the world that, um, you know, the sponsor, uh, the active duty member has a job and they're, they are plugged into a job each time they move somewhere. So instantly they are back to life as normal, if you will, from what they're used to. But each time these families move across the country, they've got to find new dentists, new doctors, how is the school district in this area? Where do we find a house? Um, you know, just a million different things that you can think of. So we support different causes that help with, um, you know, military families. That's really kind of what we like to focus on for our charitable giving, but a number of other things too, but that that's really the one, if you had to pick one that we're really emotionally attached to for sure. Good, good. I like it. Um, last, uh, Last couple questions before we wrap up. Uh, first, what's your favorite book um, that you've read? Let's call it within the last uh, year or so. Favorite book? Well, I'll tell you what I'm I'm listening to now because I listen to more books than I read. Um, Same here. Uh, yeah, um, the one that I just started listening to is called Extreme Ownership. It's uh, from a couple of former Navy SEALs. Sorry, I can't pronounce their names correctly. But Jocko um, Willink. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Jocko and Leif, yes. So great book. Uh, has a lot of aspects that relate to running a small business and leadership. And, um, you know, I, I, I think I did a fairly good job as a leader in my orthodontic practice. Uh, but we can always learn how to lead people better. And it's not yep. about manipulating them or getting them to do things they don't want to do. It's about getting them emotionally tied to the mission and what you're doing and seeing that in our case, the people that we're trying to help get to their freedom point, um, that's an awesome responsibility. And it's one that we take very seriously. And so I, I, I'm enjoying listening to that. Now, you know, probably a book that had as much impact on me as much as any impact. And I could go to the rich dad, poor dad thing, but I'm not going to do that. Actually, Robert Kiyosaki's book about the cash flow quarter was probably a better book in my opinion, had more yeah. impact. I guess it, it made me see what I was, which was, I, I was really more of a solo entrepreneur. I was in that S quadrant. And so 
I decided I definitely wanted to get over onto the right-hand side of the quadrant and be at least an investor. By Robert's definition, I'll never be a business owner because he defines it as 500 employees. I'm never going to have 500 employees, nor do I want 500 employees. But I do want to have something that, um, from a business standpoint, I can be hands-off. And so the property that we're going to develop in Fultondale, I'm not going to be there opening the gate to the storage facility. I'm not going to have any responsibility with the management. My job is going to be to make sure that we're meeting the metrics, meeting the goals that we've set for the lease up on that. So I'm hands off because there are better people to manage that day to day with the SEO and getting people in and they know all about the rent rates. And so there's third parties that will do that. But um, anyway, that, that was definitely an impactful book as well. Cool. Cool. Both, both great books. Um, last question. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Three pillars of wealth creation. Well, I've never thought of it that way, but I'll tell you one thing that I like to let people know is what I call our three uniques for our business. How's that? Maybe I'll throw that sure. instead. You know, our, as I alluded to earlier, we have a no pressure approach um, when people come to us because frankly, we know that for some people, our investments are not the right thing for them. They're not um, they're, they're, they're either not a cash flow investment, which they may need now, or they're not a long-term equity, uh, wealth creation investment, which would maybe what they need. So there's different investors. So we have no pressure because it may not fit them. The other thing is, Todd, we actually do what we're telling people to do. Now I know for some people listening, like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, as you know, there's people in the real estate investing business but they don't put their own money into opportunities. They just put other people's money into it. So mm -hmm. I invest in these opportunities uh, myself. So we don't just teach this. We're actually doing it ourselves. And then I think the other thing that's part of what we bring to people is we offer different investment classes. I mean, sure, I, I'm focused on self-storage now. But as I may have said earlier, we help people raise capital and other different investments too. One thing I'm going to say about when you say three pillars, when people come to me and say, what would you suggest as a starting point? Because most of them are business owners. And this is kind of three things, if you will, is I always tell them to, uh, first of all, increase their knowledge if they're going to move into real estate investing. That can be podcasts or books or whatever. Eventually, you have to take action. But most of them being small business owners, I tell them, focus on your business. Keep the focus there because you're going to get great, you're going to get better value out of investing in your business than you will, in most cases, investing in real estate. Because if yeah. somebody's a dentist and they spend money, if they put $100,000 into their practice, they're going to get at least a 15 to 20% return. And it's something they can control. They can move the needle themselves without somebody else being involved. And then finally, yeah, get involved in real estate investing because you do need to create another stream of income. So yeah. get the knowledge, focus on what you know best right now, and then reach out and do something else, whether it be real estate investing or whatever, but create another stream of income. Absolutely. So Ross, uh, how can our listeners get in touch with you, learn more about what you got going on? Yeah, the, what I suggest, Todd, is that they uh, come to our website, smart asset opportunities, smartassetopportunities.com. 
check out my blog, get signed up for that, see if we're a good fit, kind of kick the tires a little bit, get a couple of my blogs, see if you like what we're saying. And if you do, then you can reach out to me. My contact information is on the website. So, um, you know, again, just find out if you like what we're doing. And if you do reach out to me in person, I'd be happy to talk to them. Cool. Awesome. Well, Ross, I really appreciate you joining us on the, on the podcast and gave a ton of value to all of our listeners. So appreciate that. You have a fantastic rest of the day. All right. You too, Todd. Thanks for having me on. And I appreciate what you're doing to try and help people reach their freedom point. That's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Hey, special thanks to Ross Stryker and uh, took a lot from this episode. A few things that I really stood out in my mind uh, that he mentioned is creating networks, not only just creating networks, making sure you're meeting people, building strong relationships, and then figuring out who you're dealing with. And, and, you know, um, the last thing is adding value to them. So the other thing, um, you know, do what you say you're going to do. Very important. A lot of people will, you know, kind of talk a big talk and then eventually, uh, they just don't do, they don't follow through. They don't do what they say they're going to do. So if you're going to commit to something, make sure that you actually are committing to it and that you're actually going to do it and follow through with it. So, uh, the last thing is, uh, he talks about just increasing your knowledge and focusing on building your business and, uh, obviously extremely important, uh, big part of what I try to talk about on this show is making sure that you're always increasing your knowledge and you're always focusing on building your business and that you're just not focusing on solely transactions. We're working on building a strong business that's going to last throughout. Um, again, appreciate Ross joining us and giving us some valuable advice. Definitely reach out to him. We have all the that information on the show notes, but smartassetopportunities.com. Reach out to uh, Ross and get to know him a little bit more. Thanks a lot for joining us on the show, and I appreciate you spending the time with us. Hey, make every day a Saturday. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go. Again, go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day. And as I say, make every day a Saturday.